Welcome to service. So glad you could join us tonight. Wasn't the worship lovely? Thank you, Amanda. You know, thank you, worship team. Make sure you, make sure you send them a message. You know, thank the worship team. They've been doing a good job. Uh, so let's just start up with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for today, God. Lord, we ask that you um, be here with us. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us tonight. Lord, by your word, Lord, let us have... Um, that good soil, God, in us to receive the word that you have for us tonight, God. Let us have eyes that, that see and ears that hear, Father. And we could bring forth fruit for your kingdom in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we are tonight finishing up the book of Acts. Yes, we are finishing up. It's taken us about two and a half years, I think we looked and we found out we started January of 2018. I think uh, Jonathan Wilder maybe did the first sermon, so you can go back and you know watch all the Acts sermons. They're online. Um, hopefully you're staying with us where we're at in Acts right here. We're going to finish it up tonight starting in uh, chapter 28, starting with verse 16. It says, now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you, because for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, We neither receive letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think, for concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening, and some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So Paul is in Rome. We see here he's under house arrest. And so they're appointing a time that the, the, all the Jews will come and listen to him speak. And he's, he quotes Isaiah because some received and some didn't. And he quotes Isaiah and he says, you're, you're, you're still dull of hearing. And so he says, I can no longer go to Israel. I have to go to the Gentiles. And the book of Acts stops here. 
So the, uh, uh, it's brought to an end, and what happened to Paul is generally thought to be the following. Paul remained in confinement for two years under house arrest. He was able to receive visitors and preach the gospel. During this time, he wrote the letters to the Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And then in approximately AD 63, Paul was acquitted and released. And for the next two years, he continued his missionary endeavors. During this period, he wrote 1 Timothy and Titus. And Paul was again arrested in AD 67, taken back to Rome, where he wrote 2 Timothy during his second imprisonment in Rome. And so his imprisonment ends with his martyrdom under the Roman emperor Nero, tradition says, by beheading. Sounds fun. And the book of Acts here just kind of breaks off suddenly. There's no formal conclusion to what God continued to do through the Holy Spirit and the apostles. Yet God intends that the acts of the Spirit and the preaching of the gospel continue in the lives of Christ's people until the end of age. So the book of Acts then reveals um, God's beautiful pattern of what the church should do and be. My message tonight is called A Beautiful Pattern. there. <clears throat> the book of Acts then gives us examples of the faithfulness of believers, the triumph of the gospel against the opposition of the enemy, and the power of the Holy Spirit operating in the church and among God's people. This is God's pattern for the present and future churches. We must faithfully proclaim it and live it. That's what the books of Acts is. It's the Acts of the Apostles. So it is the, it's the history of our church, but it's just the beginning. It's the beginning of our church. And so it's a pattern then for what God has asked us as believers to continue on through the centuries. So the first thing that Acts records is it's a pattern for the faithfulness of the believer. And if you've been with us, you have watched the life of Paul and his faithfulness in every situation. He was faithful. Uh, what is said of Jesus should be said of his people. And we see that Jesus' life was marked by his faithfulness to the will of the Father. And so should ours. Our life should be marked by faithfulness. So Paul here arrived in Rome. He arrives in chains after, right? We saw his setbacks. If you've been following with us, you've been listening, right? There was a setbacks. There was storm, shipwrecks, and many trials, right? These, these uh, interruptions, if you will, these setbacks. Paul remained faithful. Even though God did not make his way easy or trouble-free, he remained faithful. Uh, there's a book titled, Not a Fan, and I forgot the name of the author. I just, I, I remember that it was a book and it's titled, it's called, it's called Not a Fan. And it's talking about, are you a fan or a follower? Are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Jesus? Right? And it's the difference between those who dabble around with Christianity and those who have died to self and are born again. It's the difference of those who are a fan of the Savior and follow his miracles until they get what they want and those who follow him to the cross. Because uh, the, the call of the faithful, the call of the follower, if you will, not the fan, is to die to self. 
Um, if, you, if you listen to the themes of our church, it's a very common theme in our church here, we preach it a lot, is to die to self. We cannot have the Lord's resurrection power unless we are crucified with him. If you are to identify yourself with Jesus Christ, you must first identify with his death. And Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared in his crucifixion. I put it in the Amplified because uh, I, I wanted to show you what this means. I've been crucified. I share in his crucifixion. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adherence to an alliance on and complete trust in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. This was Paul's words, because Paul was a faithful follower until he departed from this world. And he was a martyr. He was beheaded. And if you know anything about uh, Nero, Nero was crazy. But Paul left this beautiful pattern in the book of Acts that we can follow. We see his prison letters uh, to, the, to the other churches. So when you think about the, um, the book of Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians, these are all letters to churches that Paul wrote while he was in prison. Well, in this case, he was under house arrest at that time, at this time. But, you know... Uh, I mean, think about being under house arrest. We're all under house arrest right now. Don't go here. At least we can go to the grocery store and we can buy food, right? But this is, this is the time in his life where he wrote these letters to these churches that he established. And, and his letters reveal a victorious man who had surrendered all in order to be found faithful in Christ. His letter to Philippian in chapter 3, it says, But what things were gained to me... These I counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Right? This is that part. He needs to die with him in order to be resurrected with him. And not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Faithful in the midst of adversity. This was the life of Paul. Because faithfulness in good times is, is uh, one thing, right? And, and when we think about our marriage, it's easy to be, to be um, faithful in a marriage when things are going good. When everybody's getting along, when the kids are acting right, or maybe before you even had kids, right? When, when money's coming in and there's food on the table, uh, when romance is flowing, it's easy to be faithful in times of that. But faithfulness to your spouse when times are hard when you are in pain and maybe they don't understand why you're in pain. Maybe you're fighting all the time. You're not getting along. The romance has dwindled. 
You have no money in your pocket and you've got no food on the table. Being faithful in this sense is something altogether different. And God, like a marriage, requires faithfulness through the good times and the bad. Through better or worse, in sickness and in health, in prosperity and in adversity. The Lord asks us to be faithful. Paul pressed on in the midst of imprisonments, in the midst of um, being bitten by a snake, in the midst of shipwrecks, in the midst of being stoned, in the midst of being left for dead. He said, I press on because my life doesn't matter to me. The things of this world don't matter to me. I'm going to press on until I meet him. And these times require fortitude. And this word fortitude, I love it because it's defined as courage, but it's courage in pain and adversity. So it's not just uh, courage, it's in, in pain. It's, cur- it's courage in adversity. So Paul, we see then pressed on with fortitude. And what we see from Paul's life was that it was not an easy one. It was not Paul's best life now. I, I, I shudder to think how the first century Christians would fare listening to today's gospel that many are preaching all over this United States. You know, I study a lot about um, the first century church. I love the book of, uh, of Revelation and it, it describes so much um, of that first century church and the adversity and persecution that were, they were undergoing. And if they heard a message from some of today's churches, they would just be like, huh? This, th- this church was faced with incredible opposition and persecution for identifying with Jesus Christ. The Acts Church was faced with incredible opposition for identifying with Christ. And Jesus told the church in Smyrna, do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. So he said, he's telling them you're going to suffer. Indeed, the devil's about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. So this highly persecuted church then is being told, be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. And Paul told Timothy during his second imprisonment in Rome, because 2 Timothy was wrote while he was back in Rome again, to be faithful to his calling. He tells Timothy, herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by, be at hand and be ready. Whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable, whether it is convenient or inconvenient, whether it is welcome or unwelcome, you as a preacher of the word ought to show people in what way their lives are wrong and convince them, rebuking, correcting, warning, urging, encouraging them, being unflagging and inexhaustible in patience and teaching. He said, whether times are favorable or times are unfavorable, remain faithful to Jesus and the work he's called you to do. And we see this. The book of Acts gives us a pattern. The book of Acts also gives us a pattern for the triumph of the gospel against opposition. And in here, it presents us with a pattern of victory over sin and the devil. Because the true gospel of Jesus brings victory into the life of those who hear it and receive it. But the half-hearted, the unrepentant, the culturally religious are not promised such victory. 
Only those who have the true gospel of Jesus and are born again of God. In John chapter 3, this is the Nicodemus that came to Jesus by night and asked him, Lord, how I must be saved. And Jesus answered him, Assuredly, I say, most solemnly say that unless a, born, a person is born again, a new from above, he cannot ever see. He cannot know or be acquainted with and experience the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter his mother's womb again and be born? And Jesus answered, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, unless a man is born of water and even of the spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. And this is the good news that we are born again when we repent, when we turn from our ways, when we turn toward Jesus and we accept his beautiful sacrifice and his blood as a payment for our sins. We believe in this. We trust in this. We rely in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is a Lord. And this faith in Christ that the Bible teaches, that the book of Acts shows, always causes us to triumph. Paul told the Corinthian church, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Always leads us in triumph in Christ. That's always in persecution, in affliction, in prison. He leads us in triumph when we hold to his word and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. 1 John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. And the book of Acts is a pattern for our faith. The book of Acts is a pattern for um, the gospel. But what, what, what Jesus is your faith in? And which gospel? Because what will you tolerate? And because Paul tells the church in Corinth about false apostles and that he's jealous of them with a godly jealousy. He says in 2 Corinthians, he says, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than one you received or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. So he told the Corinthian church, he said, you've gotten away from what, what I showed you in the beginning. The pattern in the book of Acts. He says, you, you listen to anybody. Paul describes people who are preaching a different Jesus, a different Holy Spirit, and a different gospel. And he tells the Corinthian church, he says, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. What do you tolerate to come into your life? Do you believe everything that any speaker says about God? Do you open up Google and start reading the first article on the subject? You have to beware. There are false teachers. There are false apostles. There are false preachers that make the message sound good. And they use money to express their message. But their focus has turned from the true Jesus. The victory that overcomes the world is only found in following the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And if the message you hear is not the death of sin through the cross of Christ, it's not the gospel. 
If the message is more about you and how you can be blessed and how you can be prosper and it makes you the center of our life and it makes you the hero of your life and not Jesus, it's not the gospel that Paul preached. It's not the pattern in the book of Acts. Do you follow the gospel of accommodation? The gospel that suits you and is convenient? A gospel that's non-confrontational and requires nothing of you? Like in the temptation in the desert, Satan twists and manipulates the word of God. Three times Satan came and he says, if you are the son of God. See, if the message tells you to tempt God by putting demands on him, it's not the gospel. If the message twists and manipulates the word so that you care more about amassing things in this life than amassing eternal life, it's not the gospel. You have to pay attention. You have to stay in the word of God. You have to listen to the teachers that God has placed over you. Either Pastor Matt is your pastor or he's not. Why do you even listen if you're not going to do what he says? Why, why even listen if you're not going to listen to what your teachers tell you to do? Don't go to every source. And if we tell you things that aren't in line exactly with the word of God, in every part, beware. The book of Acts is a pattern for the church. And the gospel that Paul preached was victory to overcome. It's also a pattern for the power of the Holy Spirit operating in and among God's people. And overwhelmingly, the book of Acts records the Holy Spirit operating mightily among God's people. Not just for the furtherance of the gospel, but for healing, for edification, for encouragement, for teaching. And and, and, and There's teaching out there that say the gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased with the book of Acts or ceased when Paul died. This doesn't make any sense. They did not cease with the book of Acts. They did not cease with the death of Paul. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, they are to continue until Jesus returns for his faithful. And a lot of people believe in the ministerial gifts of a pastor, prophet, evangelist, apostle, teacher. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So these are gifts to the body from the Holy Spirit. But then why would we not believe in the charismatic gifts? In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So we see then Acts was the beginning of the church age. 
And all these things continue in us and through us until he takes us home. Are we not still in the church age? Has God removed the Holy Spirit? Because if he has, we can no longer be saved. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense that he has done away with the charismatic gifts. That would be like saying the power of God was was, uh, done away with after the Exodus generation of Israelites after the Red Sea was open. We are still here. We are still in the church age. And it's a beautiful pattern to all future generations. Going all the way back to Acts chapter 1, he said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So we said, You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes, after that day of Pentecost. That has not gone away. Don't let that lie into your head. We are not victims at the whim of the enemy. There's power in the, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's all the way through the book of Acts. We need to take authority in Jesus' name like Paul did in Acts chapter 16. It said, Now it happened as he went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought their masters much profit by fortune telling. And this girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said in the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. We have power to tread on serpents. We have power to overcome the enemy, to be victorious over these things. It is a pattern in the book of Acts for us to follow. But some of us have not even asked for this indescribable gift. In Luke 11, it says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the same in Matthew recorded, that's recorded in Matthew chapter seven, verse 11, where it says good gifts. He's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives, the power to witness the charismatic gifts that he literally gives to those who ask. He told the Corinthians in chapter 14, verse one, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So he says, desire spiritual gifts. Why would he say that if those things are gone? He said, desire those things, but especially that you may prophesy. prophesy. You, you can pray to prophecy. Pro- prophesy. Prophecy, prophesy. Desire spiritual gifts because these things, prophecy edifies the hearer. Love did not replace the gifts. We are to exercise the gifts in love until he brings us home. And a church where the Holy Spirit is not in operation is a dead church. Do not quench the Spirit by limiting His power. Luke 19, 13, this is my last scripture. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said, Do business till I come. It's a parable that Jesus is talking about here. This word, do business, in the Greek means to do business with the resources entrusted to you. 
So it means to employ in business for the purpose of increasing it to make a profit, right? We do business to make a profit. So he says, do business, continue to increase until I come back. He's talking about using your talents, using your gifts, because he furnished us with gifts needful for his business. From those he gives power, he expects service. We are to use our endowments. Use your gifts and graces for the good of others and for the glory of God until his return to judge mankind in the days of final accounts. The book of Acts is a beautiful pattern for us to follow, to remain faithful to the Lord, to know what gospel we are receiving and the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome. I want to give you a moment <clears throat> to respond to this message. If you're not a Christian tonight, I want to ask you to pray, to seek his face. And the Bible says that if you would repent of your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you have a revelation that you can't do this on your own, if you have a revelation that you need a savior and you haven't been living for God, you don't even know who he is, you can call out to him tonight. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and he will. Ask for the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to overcome, and he will give it to you. Ask for his gifts, and he will give you those. He doesn't give you a stone when you ask for a gift. He gives you a gift. Ask him for those gifts. Apply this word to your life. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this word, Lord. Let us apply this word to our life, God, that we might walk in your power, walk in your faithfulness, God, to fulfill those things you've asked us to do. Father, even in the midst of opposition, God, you still have a work for us. Let us be faithful in adversity that we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, Father. We thank you for these things. We give you praises and glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Don't forget, church is Sunday, 10 o'clock, right here.